Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. And we're living woefully below what's possible in our lives when we do not have the Holy Spirit activated in our lives, when we are not living life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so for the next seven weeks from now, leading up to Pentecost, which is the this day that we remember that the Holy Spirit came and was poured out on everyone in the church, every follower of Jesus, and that happened in Acts chapter 2. That's what Pentecost is. So now, from now and for the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit, studying the Holy Spirit, and learning what it means to live a life empowered to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. How good does that sound to you? So we're, today we're going to talk about uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, having trouble with my notes here, guys. SOS. What's happening? Holy Spirit, activate. There we go. I don't know if you changed that or I did, but I'm having trouble with my notes. I'm sorry. I decided to get fancy and try something new for my notes this morning, and now I'm paying the price. So Holy Spirit, we need you uh, to show up. I've got control. We're good. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we're good. Thank you. Um, this is what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to know this morning's going to be a little bit more teaching than preaching. Uh, the difference kind of is generally there's a lot of instruction and information. Hopefully it's ultimately practical and transformative when you teach. Preaching feels a little more inspirational. Like you walk away with some good information, but it's really like, I can do this. So I want you to know this morning's going to be a little more teaching. All the nerds in the room are like, yes. And the rest of you are like, I'm out. I'll see you when it's time to worship at the end. But stick with me, please. Uh, we're going to read a lot of scripture passages from the life of Jesus because it's critical for us that we understand how Jesus lived his life in the Holy Spirit because if we don't do that, um, we're going to get really frustrated when we try and follow Jesus and live the life he called us to. So real quick, when we're talking about Jesus, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both God. This is like some really basic, basic theology, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, because sometimes it's confusing. It's not like Star Wars. The Holy Spirit's not the force, some uh, impersonal kind of thing that like is just in every living thing. I'm going to go on my Star Wars, and you're going to see how much nerd there really is, guys. Uh, but we're, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he's unseen because he's a spirit. But he's the Holy Spirit. It's God's presence in spirit. Jesus is also God. He was fully God, and he was also fully human. That's a sermon for another day. It's really hard to unpack sometimes and confusing. How is that even possible? We don't have time to go there today. And, and both of these, along with God the Father, are, are part of what's called the Trinity. And we really don't have time for that today. But you just need to know that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are addressing God just like when we're addressing Jesus, just as we're just saying God or, or the Father. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are addressing God. We're not addressing a lesser God. We're, we're not addressing like partly God. We're not addressing just like the force of God, the energy of God. The Holy Spirit is God himself. And, and we know this in part, there's so many things we could say about this, but 
in John chapter 1, it says that the word, which is Jesus, was at the beginning, at creation. So Jesus also is God there helping create the world and existence. But it also says in Genesis 1 that the spirit was hovering over chaos right before God spoke and said, let there be light. So you see God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, they're all together as one God, not three different gods, one God in three persons working together. But sometimes the Holy Spirit gets bad press. Video that maybe you've seen. Or maybe you loved it. Some people were so encouraged by that. So that's great if that encouraged you. I just thought it was cringy, personally. But that's a personal thing. That's not a biblical thing. Uh, So the church has often done one of two things with the Holy Spirit. We've either gone overboard and we've gone to the extent, I was just talking with someone this morning, to the point where like God's here and they're like, push someone over. Look, God, like, that's a whole thing we don't have time to get into if you're new to church. Like very Pentecostal traditions where the Holy Spirit shows up and the slightest little draft of wind was the Holy Spirit showing up. Now he's present all the time. I don't want you to get get me wrong here, but like that's one extreme of it. But then the other extreme is, well, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't really work today. He just did a lot of stuff for Jesus and for his first disciples, but there's nothing for us to function in today. That all happened in another time, and there's a whole theological kind of framework for that. Um, I, I would say both of these are actually unbiblical, and a helpful way to think about this when it comes to the Holy Spirit, if you're afraid of the Holy Spirit, maybe you're just ambivalent or different to the Holy Spirit, but specifically for those who might be afraid or you're coming from a church background or, or grow, grew up in a situation where you didn't experience the Holy Spirit or didn't know what this was all about, a great way to think about this is like the way we think about money. How many of you love money? Right? How many of you would love if I just handed you a $100 bill right now? Oh, that'd be amazing. Now, what are you going to do with that $100 bill, first thing? Bills. Paying bills. Shoes. <laughs> Purses. Socks. Socks. Oh, stocks. I thought you said socks. I was like, what do you do to your socks? <laughs> I, I, have a, I get holes in my socks all the time. I think it's the way I walk. I don't know. What else did you do? What is it? Gas. Yeah, really, gas. If I give you a $100 bill. Savings. How many of you would take that $100 bill and be like, I don't know, is this real? Whose first reaction is going to be, is this legit? Is this real? Anyone? Maybe like one or two people? No, you're going to run to the bank as fast as you can with that, right? How fast can I spend this? Most of you. Some people, maybe not. Okay, but a lot of times we do the reverse with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up, and we're like, wait, is this real? Now, there are certainly counterfeit $100 bills, and there's certainly a counterfeit display of the Holy Spirit, but why is that our first reaction so often instead of, awesome, a $100 bill. Awesome, the Holy Spirit's here meeting with us. So I just want to put that out there to say, yes, there are absolutely things that are fake, counterfeit, not real, disingenuous, 100%. But let's not let that stop us from using the real thing. Sound good? So as we get started, I I just want you to understand that that's where we're going. So um, my church experience, I had the Father, I had the Son, and I had the Holy Bible. We didn't talk too much, and this is not knocking the Bible. Anyone who knows me knows that I spend great amounts of time unpacking this beautiful book. 
but the Bible is not on level with God. The Bible points us to God. It draws us in a story that leads to Jesus. It leads us on this great narrative and this great story that leads us to Jesus who fulfills everything. And part of what Jesus fulfilled was giving us the Holy Spirit. So I grew up in a church culture where um, you, you did father, you did son, we're comfortable with those, but then in this Holy Spirit, it's just like stay over there. We, we thought everything was a fake $100 bill. We didn't go near him at all. And, and as a result, uh, without the Holy Spirit active in my life, uh, growing up in the church, I had three choices. And this is the same three choices everyone has. I could either totally rebel against God and walk away from Jesus, walk away from Scripture, walk away from the church, because I'm looking going, there's a lot of fake stuff here. There's a lot of fake people here. There's a lot of stuff that goes undealt with. There's a lot of sin and issues in my own life. I have prayers that aren't being answered. I have tough situations that I can't find a way through. God doesn't really feel real or personal to me at all, so I'm going to go. That's option number one. Option number two is this. You can live a double life. You can uh, pretend like you have it all together in church. You can do all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a Christian, but then with another group of friends, this works really well, especially when you're younger, you can just live whatever life you want. And I'm not even saying it has to get real crazy, but you could just live your, your normal life uh, without any sense of prayer, any sense of God's presence. But then on Sunday, it's like, oh, glory to God. God's so good. But he's not there in the rest of your week. That's another way you can live when you're not living life with the Holy Spirit. And, and then the third way you can live is you can do what the Pharisees did. And you can live a life where you're the same all the, all the time, uh, you're an extreme rule follower. It's my way or the highway. You have a, what's called a bounded set view of Christianity, which means you have to do these specific things and you're in. If you don't do these things, then you're out. And then the other thing that Phariseeism does is, is it has no power to it. So you're kind of gritting your teeth and following the scriptures by sheer willpower alone, and the most disciplined people, the people who have the easiest time in life, quite honestly, the people who had the best examples for them in life and didn't come uh, with a bunch of bad habits to begin with, they're going to be set up the best to live the Christian life. But honestly, because you're doing it by sheer willpower, you're going to be really bitter and angry, and you're going to be really jealous when it seems like other people are enjoying their life. So which camp of those do you fall into? Maybe different days of the week you're falling into different camps. But we all fall into one of those camps when we're not living our life empowered, activated by the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to talk about is how is it that we can live this life that Jesus called us to live, what we call discipleship, following Jesus. How can we live the way Jesus called us to live and not do one of those three things? Well, really simple. We need to look at Jesus. How did he do this? What was going on in his life that empowered him to live in such an incredible way? And then he called his followers to live in that way. Are you all with me? So here's really the, the main point. If you, if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this right here. Jesus is our model for living life in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is your model for living life in the Holy Spirit. You can, and we're going to unpack this in a second, you can look at the scriptures, look at the gospel stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can see how Jesus lived life in the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do today. 
Uh, it's like everything else in discipleship. So what I want to do today is just talk about three important truths about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and hopefully these are going to just give you some really practical handles for understanding and maybe reshaping the way you see Jesus and also the way you see how you're called to follow him. Sound good? All right. Cut a couple nods, so I'm feeling good. First thing I want to say today is that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is incredibly important to get. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not do anything that he did in his earthly ministry. He did not operate in his time on earth in his divinity. He operated in his spirit-empowered humanity. Right? Because we see all the things Jesus did. Miracles, walking on water, healing the sick, raising the dead. Well, of course he did that. He's God. But what I'm trying, I want to communicate first and foremost is that Jesus didn't do these things because he was God. He didn't do any of the ministry he did on earth in his spirit-empowered, or excuse me, he didn't do anything in his divinity. He did it in his spirit-empowered humanity. Let's look at a couple of verses of scripture here. Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 8. It says, though he was God, he, this is talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Listen to this. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, still fully God, but he gave up those privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So Jesus emptied himself. He refused to access or use his divine attributes. Are you following me there? This is, it's a little complicated. That's why it's the first point, so we get it out of the way. But it is so important that we understand this. Jesus did not use his divine attributes. He allowed his humanity to be fully empowered by the Holy Spirit for his earthly ministry. So he was obedient to God, just like humans are supposed to be obedient to God, the rest of us, but he did it perfectly. Fully surrendered. He, he was fully empowered. He shows us how that he lived life as a human and, and how we're called to follow God and submit to the Spirit just like he did. So if he's living a Fully as a human, he's still God, but everything that he did, think about some of the stories you've heard about or read about of Jesus in the Gospels. Think of some of the stuff that he did. Now think about it. He didn't use his divine attributes, meaning the fact that he was God. He didn't use any of that to accomplish anything. He did it as a human, fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just like Philippians said, he did not use his divine privileges. He emptied himself. He lived in, in human form. He was obedient to God. So here's the spirit-empowered part, Matthew 3.16. Jesus has been uh, just been baptized by John, and it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So here he's filled with the Spirit. So he's fully God, fully human, but he's going to say, I'm not going to use any of my God attributes, we'll call them, right? I'm not going to operate in that at all. I'm going to just live in the human part, and I'm going to allow myself, I'm going to make myself nothing, just like every other human being on the planet, and I am going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill my life and be what I'm dependent upon 
to be close to the Father and to do all the things that I came here to do. Okay? So this is what Jesus says. And it says right after this story, when he's baptized and filled with the Spirit, the very next thing he does is he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Anyone ever heard that story, the story of him being tempted? It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he didn't go of his own volition. He's not like, okay, it's time to go here and show that I can resist temptation. Even in temptation, he is led by the Holy Spirit into those trials, and he overcomes through the power of the Spirit. He's not using his own privilege as, as God to accomplish any of that. So for me, when I understood this, that Jesus did everything he did out of his spirit-empowered humanity, it changed for me the way I read the stories of Jesus, right? Because I used to read stories of Jesus and say, oh, Jesus healed another person, whoop-de-doo, he's God, he can do that. But then I began to read it differently. Wait a minute, if Jesus is my model for what it means to live empowered by the Spirit, then there's a way that I can resist temptation like Jesus did through the power of the Spirit. Then there's a way that I can see people healed from sickness, see prayers answered, come through trials with the power of the Spirit. There's a way I can live full of joy in really difficult situations. There's a way I can suffer well like Jesus did on the cross. Huh. This changes things for me. And and that just began a journey for me. Even crazy things like feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. Anyone ever had crazy provision happen in their lives? Just unexplained, you don't know where it came from? Empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God providing. It's amazing. We won't do it perfectly like Jesus. Hear me. He's still Jesus. He's the only one who ever did the life of the Spirit perfectly. But it is the way that we're called to live. Are you all with me? He did everything he did out of his Spirit-empowered humanity. And that means that you and I can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the things Jesus did and live the way Jesus lived. So that's first. So not only was Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, but Jesus surrendered his will to the Spirit, surrendering your will. In the Bible, the will is the seat of kind of your decisions, your emotions. Uh, it, it's where you, all the control freaks do their controlling from. I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. So it's the place of will. And, and when we lay down that place to God and surrender those things to God and trust him in that place uh, and surrender to the Holy Spirit, powerful stuff begins to happen. So Jesus didn't do things in his life because he wanted to. He wanted to, what he wanted to do was to do what his father was asking him to do. He loved doing the will of his father. He says in in one place, my bread, what, what gets me going, what sustains me is to do the will of the one who sent me. Can you imagine your life being so surrendered joyfully to the will of God that you're like, man, I I just like, I could go like a couple days without eating. I'm just so pumped about following what God's got for me in my life. There's a vision for your life if you're looking for one. (laughs) The laughter, it's really funny. It's scary, it's scary. So he was obedient to the Father, and Jesus makes this incredible claim about his obedience to the Father in John chapter five. Look at this with me. It says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. 
This is God talking. Jesus, he says, the son, him, can do nothing by himself. He does only what? What he sees the father doing. How do you think Jesus is seeing what the father's doing? The spirit, right? Good. Sorry, I was, I was trying to make it a hard question. That's okay. Yeah, how do you think Jesus is do, able to hear? What, who's, who's giving Jesus the will of the Father? The Father's seated in heaven, right? It's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, this is what the Father wants you to do. You see that person over there? That person needs to be healed. Go to this town and village. There's times where Jesus is praying early in the morning. He's just had this crazy successful day. All these people got demons cast out of them, and people are healed, and everyone's excited. They want to hear more of his teaching, and the disciples come and say, hey, there's all these people. They're ready for day two. And he's like, let's go to another village. No, but we're building some momentum here, Jesus. We gotta go. And he's like, that's not what my father's doing. We gotta go to another village. He's so committed and surrendered in his will to what the father wanted. So submitted and surrendered in his will to the Holy Spirit that it didn't matter how good things were getting or how bad things were. If it was the father's will and the spirit was directing him there, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. So just try and think about your own life for just a minute. I have to do this sometimes. This this verse really challenges me. Only doing what I see the Father doing. How much stuff, even church stuff, Christian stuff, how much stuff are you doing that the Father has not asked you to do? How tired are you because of all the stuff you're doing because the Father hasn't asked you to do? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say there's not hard work, but we only need to do what we see the Father doing. That's another sermon for another day. Think about how often you pray prayers, even good prayers, and you're like, I just feel like, does it feel like it's like your prayers just like, like hit a ceiling sometimes? You're like, God, are you even listening? Are you praying the prayers that you see the Father calling you to pray? Now, that's not saying the things you are praying for aren't important. But God a lot of times wants to rework the way we pray for those things. A lot of times we're like, take this terrible situation away from me. And God's like, I put this in your life to grow you and mature you. I'm not taking it away. But you're praying the wrong prayer. Can you pray, God, show me what you're doing in me in this difficult season? He wants to teach us. Every, he wants to give us prayers for everything we're facing, every hardship that's happening. But he wants to make sure we're praying the right prayer. And a lot of times our prayers don't work, honestly, because we're praying the prayer that he's not answering. I know it sounds a little harsh. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm saying it because God wants your prayers answered, but he wants to teach you how to do what Jesus did, to pray and do what you see the Father doing. Jesus was victorious every single time, every single time, because he was surrendered. He surrendered his will, his actions, his behavior, his decisions to what the Father wanted to do. He always succeeded. We're going to skip over this, but this is the story of uh, Jesus and and his temptation. Think about temptation even. Jesus was uh, sent out and was victorious over sin like we talked about. Spirit leading him into that place so he could get victory. But this one right here is what I really want to focus on for just a second. This is where surrendering the will starts and ends, and it's Jesus' prayer life. Mark chapter 1, it says that before daybreak the next morning, this is after a great day of ministry, 
feeling so successful. He's like, goes early the next morning before daybreak. Who, how many of you love getting up before daybreak? Some of you, not everyone. Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Every, he had to go be with the Father. He, had, he was proactive in surrendering his will, seeking out the Father through the Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do? What are you calling me to? Just enjoying being with the Father. This is at the core of how Jesus surrendered his will. He spent so much time just doing that. And Jesus is our model even in surrendering our will to the Father. That we seek him. We go out of our way to surrender our will to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He surrendered his will to the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, the last one I want to share with you today. Jesus displayed the power of the Holy Spirit. All of the signs, the wonders, the healings, the raising of the dead, turning water into wine, feeding 5,000, finding a coin to pay his taxes inside a fish. You can keep going on with the crazy stuff. John, in his gospel at the end, he says, you can't write a book big enough to contain all the things Jesus did. This wasn't like, this was just like the highlight of the highlight reel of what Jesus did. All of these things done were all displaying the power of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, Jesus did this stuff in his spirit-empowered humanity. As a human, he didn't have power to do any of that. But his spirit-empowered humanity, he did. Look at this story just quickly, a couple, in in Mark chapter 1. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. There's something different about Jesus. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. And at that The evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? It has such authority. Evil spirits even obey his orders. Just two interesting statements very quickly. Jesus didn't teach like the religious leaders taught. There's something different about spirit-empowered teaching than very religious teaching. Two people can open the exact same Bible and you can experience two very different messages. One is after the order of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the other is after the order of Jesus, walking in the empowerment of the Spirit. But it doesn't just end with really good teaching or it makes you feel good or it's inspiring or it's truthful. It's way more than that. Jesus backed up what he said by demonstrating his power. He was preaching that the kingdom of God is here. There's no more bondage. Nothing needs to hold you back. Sin doesn't need to destroy your life. Demonic powers don't need to destroy your life. And then, oh, a demon's there. Let's just get rid of that real quick. And then he moves on. And everyone's like, wait, he actually did what he was just talking about. It's powerful when someone teaches, namely Jesus, and then does what they say they were going to do. We're really tired of hypocritical teachers. We're really tired of it. So he carried out what he said he would do. The Holy Spirit was working and displaying. So he, he 
delivered people from demons. I'm not going to read this, but he healed people. Luke 4.40. Man, there's so many stories of Luke uh, in Luke and the other Gospels of Jesus healing people. He raised the dead in Mark chapter 5. Raised the dead. And he does it again in the book of John. No matter what Jesus uh, faced, he overcame it all in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll just read this one, Matthew 4.24. News about him spread as far as Syria. That's a long way when you don't have a car. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed some of them. Oh, that's not what it says, though, is it? He healed them all. Talk about batting a thousand. That's crazy. And remember, he did this not because he was God. He did this in his spirit-empowered humanity. So let's just recap real quick. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, yes? He didn't operate in his divinity. He's still God, but he didn't operate with his divine attributes. He didn't use them. He operated in his spirit-empowered humanity. Second, he surrendered his will to the Holy Spirit. And third, he displayed the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did what he did on this planet in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and not necessarily because he was also God. He was demonstrating to us what it means to be perfectly human. You want to know how to be human? Look at Jesus. You want to know how to walk in the Holy Spirit? Look at Jesus. You want to know how to see people healed? Look at Jesus. You want to know how to see demons cast out? Look at Jesus. You want to see people raised from the dead? Look at Jesus. You want to see miraculous provision? Look at Jesus. You want to know how to talk to God? And be close to God and know he's real. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Because he was empowered, he surrendered his will and displayed the power of the Spirit. So what does this all mean for us? I love this. Joel chapter 2. This is in the Old Testament. This is the Bible that Jesus had in his day. It was just the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And this was a promise from God in this book of Joel chapter 2, verse 28. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is the promise that God made before Jesus to his people. Before the Holy Spirit didn't empower people all the time, the Holy Spirit would show up in specific instances to help people accomplish specific tasks. But God's saying there's a day coming when I'm going to pour my spirit out on all people. There's other passages in like Jeremiah where it says, my spirit's gonna come. It's gonna give you a new heart, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, a flesh that's soft, that's pliable, that's teachable, that doesn't struggle and fall into sin. And he tells, Jesus tells his first followers, listen, I'm about to leave. This is after he rose from the dead, right? Within about 40 days of that. He, He said, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem And seek God, pray, don't leave, don't go anywhere to tell about me yet. Now, why would he say that? Don't go tell people about me yet. You're going to go to the ends of the earth to share the good news that I'm alive, but don't go yet. Why wouldn't God want them to go yet? Wait until the promised Holy Spirit comes to you. You can try and even tell people about God. And if you're not doing it in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you're just going to get exhausted. You're going to get tired. 
it's not going to be very successful because it's going to be done in your own flesh and your own willpower. And none of us, listen, the old self has to die. That's part of the, the gospel. Our old life dies and we're raised to life in Christ and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us live the new life. We're going to talk more about that next week. But he tells his first followers, wait here. That Joel 2 thing, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. This, right after this in Joel 2, it says, it's not just that the Spirit will be poured out, and oh, nice, I have the Holy Spirit now. It says, it's, it gets even crazier than that. It says, your young men are going to dream dreams. Your old men are going to see visions. I think I got those backwards. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Uh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. People are going to walk in the power of God in a way that's never been seen. All the way back, Moses even said, when, when the Spirit of God came in just a very specific instance, Moses uh, said, man, I wish all of God's people could prophesy. All of God's people could hear from God. All of God's people could walk in the empowerment of the Spirit. It was one of those little things early in the Bible that's a clue. Guess what's coming? And what we're leading up to on Pentecost on June 5th is the day we celebrate when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Every follower of Jesus gets to have complete access to the Holy Spirit. But I go back to what a mentor of mine always said, you can have as much of God as you want, but no more. He will pour himself out freely as much as you want it as much as you want it. And so we're beginning a journey. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. We're going to uh, do worship and, and communion in just a second. But here's, here's what this means for us today. If the Holy Spirit's been poured out, then we can live like Jesus because he's given us the Holy Spirit, just like he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do we're going to do this every Sunday for the next seven weeks. If you're going, there's something missing from my life. Yeah, I'm following Jesus, but I think I need Holy Spirit empowerment. Every week for the next seven weeks, we're just going to make space during our worship and communion time. If you want to come up to the front, um, myself, and there'll always be another leader or two of ours that are here to just pray for you and pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've already received the Holy Spirit, but Paul says in Ephesians to keep on being filled with the Spirit. So guess what? There's more. There's more. And so if that's you today and you're saying, man, I, I don't even understand this fully, but I need an empowerment to live life in a way that I, I've always wanted to live and I've been so frustrated because I can't actually live it. Just like Jesus lived a Spirit-empowered life, He has made the way for you and I to live the Spirit-empowered life too. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make Him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.